to connect your faith to your everyday life. Welcome back. Today, we're going to be talking about having the right tool for the wrong job. And I'm not just talking about massive misuse of your hardware. Actually, Ben's got a pretty good example and a visual that I think he should share. Get us started today. All right. So the scene is set in our fair town of Verona. No, I'm sorry. Wrong play. Wrong play. Um, thank, come on. Well, I was like, you have to get the Shakespeare reference. Everyone had to read it. So imagine that you have been given a shovel. Now, as an avid outdoorsman, I love shovels. Shovels are great, very multi-purpose tools. You can use them for a lot of things. So let's say you are building a house and you've been given a shovel. You can certainly use that shovel to hammer nails. It may not be very comfortable. It may not be very easy, but I promise you, if you set the nail upright and you smack it with a shovel, it's going to do what it needs to do. Uh, if you're demolishing a house, you can knock a lot of things out with a shovel. You can smash the windows. You can chop some wood with it and just break oh, beams. Ben, I am having flashbacks to before my summer mission trip and Pastor Josh was praying over us. And he said, and, and immediately all the leaders cringed, but he said, and Lord, I just bless, ask that you bless them with the ways to find tools to be used in creative ways to get the job done. Mm. Exactly what you're describing. The shovel can do it all. Yeah. You were can... all like, no, no, no creative ways. We use tools as intended. Yes. No injuries, please. Yes. Um, moving on with the metaphor, though, because I'm going to be honest, Will, I'm all for creative use when it comes to actual literal tools. Uh, so let's say you're cooking. You have a nice, big, large pot. You're brewing up some, I don't know, chili for the cook-off. You can use your shovel to stir a pot. Or, of course, the uh, intended use of a shovel. You know, if you want to hit someone upside the head with it, you can absolutely do that. It's not really the... reading at your house. <laughs> I just, you just come over and you see me using, like, my garden trowel and there's a little bit of grit in your soup. <laughs> But anyway, so all of these uses, these are things that you can use a shovel for, but none of them are the thing that it was intended for. And there's also better tools to do each of those things. You know, hammer probably works best for hammering in nails. That's why it became the verb. But there's also things that you can't do with a shovel, unfortunately. So for example, you cannot change a tire using a shovel. Try as you might, it is not going to screw on a screw. Um... You cannot fly with a shovel, at least not very far. You cannot operate a phone with a shovel. And the big thing is, if you misuse your shovel wrong enough, you probably break it. The best thing you can do with a shovel is exactly what it was intended for. You dig with it. But to do that, first you have to know what a shovel is, and second, you have to know how to use it. So, Will, why did I use this big, long metaphor? Other than to tell me not to go to eat at your place because you might be using a shovel to stir your soups. Well, it's the same shovel that I hit someone upside the head with, too. I guess as long as I'm not the person getting hit upside the head with. But <laughs> That's after dinner. You're... Oh. <laughs> 
if I blink twice, that means help. <laughs> anyway, no, your whole idea here was to go down this route of there are plenty of tools available in life, and they don't always have the right functionality. And with actual physical tools, you can usually get a little extra functionality out of them. However, when we are talking about what we're really talking about today, spiritual gifts, sometimes it doesn't work like that. You can't take a spiritual gift that somebody has and use that tool in the improper way and still get good results. In fact, usually when somebody's using a gift in a wrong way, it can usually lead to some serious consequences, either them hurting somebody else, them hurting themselves, creating chaos creating a lot of doubt and confusion in somebody because they're like, I thought I was gifted to do this and now I'm being really confused and I don't know what's happening. And it can be a really tough time. So you have to ha know what your tools are, first of all, and you're going to have to know how to use them. So what kind of tools are we talking today? Well, actual like spiritual gift wise tools. Oh, I was about to you tell know, you about yeah. my Ryobi drill, but I guess we can move on to tools. So... <clears throat> What what started this whole concept for this episode was actually a sermon by uh, another pastor that I listened to called John Teal. He does the Voyage Church, and he was talking about spiritual gifts and almost like spiritual gifts or tools that can be used. And so something that he said was along the lines of uh, wit. Wit is something that we don't often view as a spiritual gift or don't recognize as a spiritual gift, but it's that ability to immediately respond to someone or zing them whenever they say something to you. It's that quick, sarcastic response that just it cuts immediately. No one can really touch you if you got a quick enough wit. And he says, but what if that wit that you have wasn't intended for a quick, sarcastic response, but if it was actually intended to point people towards God quickly in all things? It's actually the same skill set. The, the ability to turn any conversation back towards God is the same skill set as the ability to turn any conversation into sarcasm or some kind of witty remark, some kind of one-liner. Same skill set, same tool, but we're using it very different ways. And so there's a lot of different types of gifts out there. Uh, the big area in scripture that most people turn to when we start talking about gifts is in first Corinthians. And, uh, do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? It's a long passage. Sure. So I, I can read us, uh, first Corinthians chapter 12, verse four through 11. Yeah. Yeah. Four through 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given the spirit, a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing the seen spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one in the same spirit. 
and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And this is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> um, like closing the Bible. Mm, yes. I'm just clapping. Clapping, yes. Good job, Will. Uh, no, you should definitely uh, you should definitely think about writing in or, or speaking an audio Bible. Absolutely love the way you read your scripture. There's so much emotion, so much tone. Hey, hey man, hey man. Dr. Dr. Freimeyer changed my life in the way I read scripture. Hey, Dr. Freimeyer, my man. So anyways, there is a lot of gifts here. And this is why this is kind of the go-to passage when people in the church talk about spiritual gifts. This is typically where they turn. So first of all, I want to talk about what exactly this is saying a spiritual gift is. And it is quite literally, as the name suggests, it is a gift or a talent that is given from the Holy Spirit. And the reason that's important that we understand that is it's not something that we develop ourselves. We can strengthen our gift through practice and through prayer and communication with God, but the gift itself is not one that comes by our own efforts. So like, for example, one of the gifts is knowledge. It's not referring to I sat there and I studied my entire life so that I could become the world's smartest man. That's a result of my effort. It's not necessarily a spiritual gift. Uh, the gift of knowledge is slightly different. It's something that actually comes from God, and it's a supernatural level of understanding that comes beyond my capability naturally. Uh, so spiritual gifts are gifts from God. Any other explanation on like what exactly a spiritual gift is? I think the the important thing when we look at spiritual gifts is they they come from God and they manifest sometimes like with the example of speaking in tongues. Sometimes they manifest in a way that is big and flashy and you're like, "Whoa, there's something really spiritual going on over there." Mm -hmm. You walk into a church, people are speaking in tongues. Never forget. You're probably it. gonna be like, "Okay, something <laughs> spiritual is happening here. I don't quite get it." They need to have the other part, the interpretation of tongues scripturally. Uh, but like some, some happen very big, bright, vibrant, whatever others like knowledge or faith, those often manifest in a lot less flashy of ways does not mean it's any less a gift of the spirit. And I think that's really why in this passage, like Paul's really driving home, it's all given from the same spirit. The Holy spirit is the one that gives yeah. all of these gifts and, they're as he determines, not necessarily for us to have that this person has a flashier gift than me. So it is something given by God that we steward, we take care of, we work on, uh, grow with it. And so like that example of knowledge and in that context, like if knowledge is being able to truly just grasp this understanding deeper than anyone, you can strengthen that by going into academics, studying well, and the, like then you're compounding your gift and your your ability. But you don't necessarily like you you can get so far with the gift alone. Hmm. I think too you you touched on something that made me think about this, but there's also in here that it says to one is given this gift, and to still another is given this gift. And I think part of the, the recognition of spiritual gifts is that we are not all given all of these. Even if you ask for them, 
there's no guarantee that you're going to get them. God gives them, the Holy Spirit gives them as he deems is appropriate. It's not just a matter of, well, every Christian should be speaking in tongues. Every Christian should be prophesying. Uh, and there's talk later in scripture about why that is, because it, you know if everybody spoke in tongues, but there were no interpreters, then the speaking in tongues would be useless. You know, And if everybody taught, where would be the one to speak in tongues? Where would be the one to do discernment? So these are actually given strategically by God for specific purposes to specific people. But there's another mention in here too, and it says that each one of them, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And so, what that means is that these tools that are gifts from God are not intended for our blessing specifically. So, like, God does not give me, for example, the gift of prophecy so that I can prophesy to myself and never tell anybody about it. It's not so that I can sit there and look into a crystal ball and know the future, but nobody else does. It's also not how the gift of prophecy works. But <laughs> that's, that's the pop culture version of prophecy. It's like, yes. Oh, that works. How any of this works? <laughs> but the idea is that the gifts are given for the common good, which we'll come back to that a little bit because that's actually part of the abuse of spiritual gifts is people will say, well, it's for the common good. It's for everybody else. We'll come back to that in a little bit. So spiritual gifts, they are gifts from God. They are for specific people for specific purposes as God deems them necessary. And at the end of the day, it says they're all the work of one and the same spirit. There's no one gift that's greater than another. And we can't just elevate one gift over another. We can't throw one gift away and say, well, we don't need that. The spirit uses them as he deems it appropriate. But again, the point is, if we're looking at these as tools, spiritual gifts like tools can be used appropriately and inappropriately. They can be used selfishly. And I can tell Will, no, I have a hammer and you can't borrow it. Use your shovel to hammer your nails. Um, or they can be used for the common good. Someone else. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? God gave me a hammer, not you. So, I know. That's why I got other friends too. <laughs> but again, they can be used inappropriately. They can be used appropriately. They can be used selfishly. They can be used uh, unselfishly or for the common good. They can even be abused by other people too. So when we go through some of these gifts, I just kind of wanted to talk about this idea of how maybe sometimes we can misuse some of these gifts. What? They get misused? Yes, Will. They do get misused often uh, by both the people who have them and, again, sometimes by the people around the person with the gift. So, Will, if you had to pick like any one of these gifts to start off with uh, that you feel is abused, either by people themselves who have it or by people around them. What What's like your go-to? This is the one that is probably used in not the best way. I, I really think like healing in like miraculous healing in that way has become such a uh, almost sensationalist kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like when somebody is, is being that piece of, of God's plan and is, going there there is healing happening and then 
they end up building these big rallies to come see John, who's going to come do your healing, just bring all your, your stuff. And there's both sides of it. There's That can be very good for a lot of people. God has that in his plans to be doing a lot of healings. I have seen that. It's been wonderful. It's been really cool to see people walk into a rally uh, in crutches and walk out not in crutches anymore, walking around just fine even to this day. <laughs> awesome to see God do that thing. But then there's times where I have seen like billboards go up for like, hey, come see this healer. Like he's great. And it's like, are you pointing to God or are you pointing to yourself at that point? And at that point, yeah. I think it becomes abusive. And I remember seeing like one guy who his church was experiencing this wave of healing. And then they stopped and he's like, all right, cool. We're going back to our regular Sunday morning stuff. It happened. It was great. That gift isn't with us anymore. That's okay. But there's so few people that do that. And then you start to get people that like fake it a little bit or a lot or entirely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you got, you got that concept even of the gift can be abused. Yeah. I, I think <clears throat> with the healing one, it makes me think a lot of, I can't remember the guy's name, but when COVID was first, happening the i'm gonna blow the covid way yeah the kenneth copeland that's who it is i remember now uh so he's i'm just gonna blow the covid away and and so what he's doing is he's he's leaning into this this gift of miraculous powers this gift of healing and he's claiming that he has this authority to do it uh, this is an example of just pretending you have the tool that you don't because obviously he didn't blow covid away it's still hanging around out there um, there's really no benefit forgotten that there's no benefit for the people. The only person who benefits from him faking it is himself. It drew a lot of attention to him, making him a national sensation. Now, honestly, I don't know about his early life, but maybe there was a time when he did have a gift of healing. Maybe he did actually practice healing. I don't know. I don't know about his early life. I don't know anything about him. Will, you're kind of shaking your head at me. Maybe you do, but he's been a long running televangelist of that, mm. that stream. Gotcha. Uh, and I do think that televangelists as a whole, were kind of losing traction. And that was a great way to, I mean, also partly politicized, but just, just really jump on the bandwagon and be like, let's yeah. do something as I blow my spit all over my <laughs> row. Uh, I think the other ironic part was he prayed for a vaccine to come and then spoke against the vaccine very quickly after it was, dude, was a mess. Yeah. We could get lost in the politics of it real quick, but yeah. the idea is definitely that the healing, like, Spiritual healing is not intended to draw attention to ourselves. The idea is that it's supposed to point back to the power and the authority of God over all illnesses. You know, when Jesus heals people, he, he says, it's, he tells, don't go around and tell people what I did. This is, this is to demonstrate the power of God to you, but don't tell them that I'm the Messiah or that I've healed you or anything like that. Even Jesus himself does not use healing or miraculous powers to further his own agenda or to make himself more popular. So another big one that we often see is misused and abused is knowledge and wisdom. Now, these are two separate gifts. 
but knowledge, wisdom, and even sometimes discernment kind of get lumped together as either the same or overlapping gifts. But I think it's actually really important to recognize that there are differences. With knowledge and wisdom, though, essentially the understanding is that one or both of these refer to a supernatural understanding of scripture. Or depending on which one you interpret to mean what, the idea is that there is a gift that represents a supernatural understanding of scripture and a supernatural ability to gain and retain knowledge. You know, everybody can learn things, but some people just learn really, really quick. They're able to pick stuff up and just read it and they remember it and they know it, they understand it, able to draw connections that other people can't. Now, Will, what's the first thing when you got a young man in church and uh, they demonstrate this gift of knowledge and wisdom, especially regarding their Bible, uh, what's the first thing that people tell them? You should go into ministry. You should be a pastor. Just like that. Same voice and everything. Some people do it like that. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like they look at that and they're like, oh, yes, you should do that because you you obviously enjoy your scriptures. You are knowledgeable in them. Like you're doing this at a young age, you could teach people a lot about them. Man, no, not necessarily. Yes. In some cases that can be true, but in other cases, like that's just not the way that it should go. Being a pastor is a whole different collection of gifts. Uh, so like just cause you're experiencing one doesn't mean hey, you should go into ministry full-time because maybe it's not that. Maybe you're supposed to go and enjoy your scriptures, have a have a job in the secular world, and just talk to people yeah. about it. Maybe you're supposed to go be an apologist. There's lots of people out there doing that on YouTube these days. Some of them really good. Maybe you're supposed to host a podcast. Maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe you need to lead a small group. Maybe... You know, there's there's any other number of things that you can be doing on a much smaller scale than dedicating your entire life to the church as a whole in that ministry standpoint vocationally that you can still you could still very well be called to just take your knowledge, take your wisdom into the rest of the world and do something else really well. Yeah, Uh, this is going to be the last time I promise this can be the last time I abuse the tool metaphor, but. It's like saying you have a hammer so you can build buildings. So I'm going to put you in charge of building a skyscraper because you have a single hammer. Yeah, the guy that built built the shack outside, like his little shed, his man cave, whatever. And then you're like, oh, you can do that. Go build the house. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's not quite the same. Yeah, so it's it's just one gift. And it doesn't mean that you have every gift. And like you said, being a pastor, it's a lot more than just knowledge. I wish it wasn't. (laughs) I mean, for me personally, this is definitely somewhere where I do know my gifting wise. And so I wish that was all I had to do. But the reality is it's a lot harder than that. I mean, you have to shepherd people. You have to definitely have a gift of faith. Um, And there's a lot of discernment that goes into being a pastor among countless other things. Just having knowledge alone doesn't mean you should be a pastor. And there's also, of course, the element of, you know, just because you have this gift of knowledge, it doesn't mean that pastoring is the only thing you can do with it. You know, like Will said, it's like, if you really need to teach other people, even just leading a small group, even answering people's questions at your workplace 
can be a good use of that tool. What are some other uh, other gifts that you see maybe are used in one way, but could be used better somewhere else or something like that? I think something like the gift of faith, where often somebody with the gift of faith, like they, they can lean on God in just about anything where everybody else might be not feeling it. Uh, they might just be going through a seasoned out. Like they just don't necessarily get it the same way everybody else does. But that's meant to draw people into relationship with God. Sometimes it can be almost pushy. Mm. I, I, like, yeah. Like, oh man, you just don't have any faith. And it's like, well, you're, you're literally gifted with it. Like, <laughs> I give people, you, they, they need a little bit of a break here. There's actually, there's a scene where Jesus is, he's talking to a man and the man asked for Jesus to heal his daughter. And he falls on his knees and he says, Lord, increase my faith. He said, help my unbelief. Like sometimes it's something that you have to ask for. Some people are just gifted with faith. And so, yeah, that, that idea of just saying, well, just have faith. You just need more faith. It's like, well, not everybody has it yet. And you may have it supernaturally. You know, your faith is supposed to be an inspiration to others and draw them closer to God. They're supposed to look at it and say, wow, look at how he's able to carry himself or she's able to carry herself in these situations through their faith, not so that you can dismiss other people's very legitimate concerns with, well, you just need more faith. Uh, yeah, and you also run into the, the like, almost crippling pressure on that person then yeah to always be carrying the faith conversation with everybody and sometimes they're like i got a lot of faith but man they be pushing me like, <sighs> i can't people people be rough sometimes they really do people do be rough sometimes and speaking of people being rough one of the gifts that people are the roughest on is the gift of helps. Now, this one's actually really interesting because this is actually not something that's specifically written, I don't think, in scripture, is it? No. I don't think it's it's explicitly written in any of the major lists, but so the thing with spiritual gifts as a whole is you can either go off the exact lists written in the scriptures, which mm -hmm. most people have been reasonable to understand. Like, we see figures within the new Testament, old Testament, clearly showing some form of gift from God. What was yeah. that? And they try to give a name to it. Helps is one of those. Yeah, it's like, it's like strength. I mean, Samson is gifted with strength, supernatural strength, uh, which was really not intended for just going around beating people up like he did, but for protecting God's people. But you don't see strength listed anywhere in these lists of gifts. So helps. Tell, tell us a little bit, like, what is helps about then, Will? I think helps is generally understood as, like, this. I mean, going back to the supernatural thing. Supernaturally, like, inclination to to help, to jump in. They can get just about anything done. They can just, boom, they're there. Whatever you need done, it's getting done. Uh, I have a great team of volunteers. A lot of them are gifted with that where they, they show up and they're like, all right, what needs done? I could say like, man, there is a light out in the gym and it's just really going to throw our night. They'll be like, boom, I got it. Yeah. 
don't I've, know if they would actually get up and do it right that second, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did because they're just like, <laughs> you say like, it needs to be done. I got you. They jump in at everything and it, it can be a great gift, but by the same token, somebody that can always jump in and do whatever you need, mm. that, that can be very easily abused. Yeah. Because they'll jump in and do whatever you need. I, I'd say it's also, it's like, you could almost call it like a helping spirit or helpful yeah. spirit. It's it's just that person who is always willing, always ready. And yeah, having someone like that at your disposal, especially in an organization that is run primarily on volunteers, has a really high potential for abuse. And this is an area where, you know, we talked in the original metaphor about like breaking tools by using them wrong or using them too much or something like that. And this is an area where people get really hurt uh, through burnout because you've got a pastor or a leader or something who sees, oh, well, this person has the gift of help. They have a helpful spirit. They are always willing. And so they take that to mean, well, they can and will just do everything. Right. And it's just the moment anything goes wrong, let me call this person. Let me ask this person. And of course, they're going to say yes. They got that helping spirit. They got that gift from the Lord. They're just going to keep saying yes until one day they can't. You know, and I think this is where, again, recognizing what your tool is and understanding what it is is so important because a gift from the Holy Spirit does not mean you are the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is limitless and boundless and it can go forever. You are a human being who has received a gift from the Holy Spirit that is not inexhaustible. What? I'm a human being? Well, exhaustible. Well, you're definitely pushing the limits of the human being thing, but you know, some days, some days, it's more like a loaf. That's Which my cat? <laughs> Thea is the Thea is the loaf. True, true, true. My cat dog's a loaf. But so, man, how do we have a podcast? Will, um. So, anyways, we you have this gift of helps, and again, it's so easy to to just abuse this person who. God has gifted them with a spirit that wants to, that just desires to be uh, helpful and to be involved and to serve wherever they're needed. But again, we have to recognize that that everything, every person has their limits and their needs to be uh, a line drawn sometimes, not necessarily just by the person who has the gift, but by the people who are asking of that person. Uh, I'd say this ties pretty close to in the gift of hospitality. Now, Coming from Florida, which is like wannabe southern. I mean, it is geographically it's southern. Wannabe summer, southern. It's yeah. it's not true southern. But you, you do pockets of true southern. You, it's not all true southern. Yeah, you do definitely get the the southern hospitality in certain locations. Uh, hospitality is really really big down here, and it's also really big for the church. Even if you are not from Southern America. The reality is that hospitality is something that we're called to. We should be welcoming to all people. I mean, Jesus, he he's dining with people in their homes and he's feeding them and serving them. Like hospitality is a really big deal. And it can also be a gift from the Holy Spirit. It can be just something that people have an overwhelming ability and desire to make others feel welcome. But again, when it turns into, oh, I know a guy at my church who is willing to use his house for events, and pretty soon his house becomes the event place. 
not unofficial parsonage. Yeah, basically, you know, it's just like this is the pastor's summer home. <laughs> that's that's a dangerous abuse of the gift, and it's really not. It's not what the hospitality was there for. It wasn't intended to be abused or to to create someone's home into a mini church. Um, Good old house churches. You're being forced to have a house church now. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and, and looking at our list, you know, last one I'll, I'll mention is prophecy. The gift of prophecy is mentioned. And I think it's one of the more popular ones that pops up multiple times in the different lists across the scriptures. And one people have this big idea that prophecy is all about the future. It's mm-hmm. all about predicting things. And that's, part of it but it's the smaller part of it like even if you go back and read the prophets of the old testament yes there are sections that were pointing to the future pointing to the hope of what's to come the majority of those prophets however were writing to the people of their day saying hey this isn't right they they were the accuser they were pointing their finger like they're, they're saying like hey this isn't right we need to fix this they're that's what prophecy is, being able to call that out. Mm. And yes, still point to the hope to come. That's an aspect of it, but it's it's both of those together, and it's much more calling out than we as a society feel comfortable with it. Ain't nobody like to be called out these days. I don't think people to be fair, e- they ever did. They didn't yeah. like getting called out back then. They like abused their prophets pretty bad, so... I guess nothing's changed there. Yeah, I think Jesus said something about you who abused the prophets. Like almost word for word, I think he he refers to yeah. the Israelites is that. But oftentimes, like people that do have prophetic tendencies are are leaning into that gift, learning that gift. They can be a lot can be asked of them, and their gift might not be there for what other people want it to be, or sometimes. They they have that prophetic word to share with somebody and they call them out out of their sin. And all of a sudden you hate that person because, man, they just called me out for something I've been doing for who knows how long. And I thought it was fine, but it's not. We don't I, like that. I think, too, the dual nature of prophecy is a good example of like how, again, you can have right gift, wrong job, where you may have the gift of prophecy and be able to understand and and see things coming and also be able to comment on what's going on right now, but you're also supposed to use it as the spirit leads. And so just because you kind of have a vision of what's coming doesn't mean that that's what you are being called to share. That might be for you so that you can understand how best to comment on the present situation or vice versa. You know, it might be that like you are being given uh, an understanding of the present, not so that you can call people out, but so that you, you understand how to talk to them about the importance of the future and thinking ahead. Um, and that again, goes back to this idea that these gifts are not things that we just get on our own. And and, then prophecy is a great example of you can't, I don't know anybody who has a, a follow these 10 steps to read the future I've never heard that in or out of scripture for all the psychics I've heard of out there. I bet you I could find a book on Amazon that has followed these 10 steps to, to read the, the future. It won't be scriptural, but there's pl- plenty of 
occult divination, like all that out there. It's out there. It's just not Christian or good or healthy spiritually. <laughs> like, but it's out there. You've given me a project for later today now to go see if I can find a book on how to read the future. But I don't know if I could read. I don't know. I'd feel so uncomfortable buying something like that. Just being caught with that on my bookshelf. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the idea is that <clears throat> these gifts, they come from the spirit and that means they are supposed to be used as the spirit directs and prophecy is just a great example of one of those gifts where it, it's very easy for us to use it for our own purposes. Maybe we, we do have a supernatural understanding of what the present situation is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we are being called to call somebody out of their situation. You know, we may need to have an understanding of it, but it doesn't mean we are the person who's supposed to be calling them out kind of thing. So I don't know. I think what it comes down to is that all of these gifts, they're like tools in, in some ways, and they have a right way to use them and a wrong way to use them. Will you have anything to, to add before we close? I think I mentioned it before, but I will reiterate it. Just because somebody's experiencing some gifts, some inclinations that make them enjoy reading their Bibles does not mean that they are called to be a pastor. Does not mean just because somebody's experiencing gifts of the Holy Spirit does not mean that they are called to ministry vocationally. There are plenty of other things that they could be called to. And honestly, when we see somebody that is enjoying their scriptures, that are reading their Bible, that are engaged with it, asking questions, it should not be, man, that person should be a pastor. It should be man, I should be trying to strive to enjoy the scriptures the way they are. What am I missing? What am I, like, reading scriptures and enjoying it and participating in the scriptures, that's not the, the home run that we like to make it out to be. That's kind of the standard we should strive for. Oh, snap. But no, he's he's absolutely right. And I again, the idea here is that we've got a lot of gifts. And they come from a great God. They crave, They come from a great Holy Spirit. None of these gifts is better than a, than another. Uh, even the gifts that go into making a pastor, you know, we don't elevate those gifts and say, ah, because you have this one of pastoring or shepherding, uh, that you are so far ahead of others. The reality is that God gave us all different gifts for different purposes. So make sure you know what the gifts are. Know what your gifts are, and if you don't have any idea, take a spiritual gifts test, or just read the passages on the spiritual gifts. Get an understanding of what your gift is, and not how you want to use it or how it can benefit you, but how God wants to use that gift through you. Thanks again for listening this week. We'd like to give a special thank you to Travis D'Amato for both our theme music and sound editing. If you like either, you can find and contact him at Music 93 on Instagram. That's D-A-M-A-T-O Music 93. Remember to follow us on social media at Everyday Faith Podcast. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to share it. We're always looking for feedback to help us grow, and we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Faith Podcast.